Hello, boys and girls. I'm your Peter Pan storyteller. This is the story of the last starfighter. This is the story of gremlins. This is the story of Tron. This is the story of Raiders of the Lost Ark. This is the story of the Empire Strikes Back. You can read along with me in your book. You can follow the story along with me. Every time you hear this sound. Every time you hear this sound. Turn the pages when you hear this sound. You will know it is time to turn the page when you hear the computer sound like this. Let's, let's begin, let's begin now. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Space Monkey X Audio Workshop presents When You Hear This Sound, the show where we look back at the weird and wonderful world of read-along record books and storybook vinyl. 1982 was a pretty crazy year for pop culture. The Commodore 64 debuted, bringing personal computers into the homes of millions for the first time. He-Man and G.I. Joe hit the pegs at your local Toys R Us. The legendary video game Pitfall from Activision swung onto the Atari 2600. And two generation-defining pieces of work were released, Steven Spielberg's film E.T. the Extraterrestrial and Michael Jackson's album Thriller. But what many people might not know is that these last two, E.T. and M.J., actually collaborated on a project in 1982. So why isn't it listed among this pantheon of pop culture legends? Well, today on When You Hear the Sound, we'll dig into the story behind E.T. the Extraterrestrial, the storybook album, and find out why it's become little more than a footnote in the history of 1980s entertainment. Michael Jackson was born on August 29, 1958 in Gary, Indiana. By the age of eight years old, Michael was singing with his brothers as a member of the Jackson Five, a traveling musical group that mainly worked the Midwest African-American nightclub circuit at the time. By 1969, after winning a few high-profile talent contests with Michael as co-lead singer, they caught the eye of Motown Records, who signed them to a deal. Their first four singles, I Want You Back, ABC, The Love You Save, and I'll Be There, each hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. While his age might have been a bit of a marketing gimmick at first, young Michael had real talent and soon became the breakout star of the group. So in 1972, at the age of 13, Michael released his first solo album on Motown Records, Got To Be There, featuring the title hit single, as well as Rockin' Robin. Michael released four more solo albums until 1975, when he and his brothers left Motown and signed with Epic Records, a subsidiary of CBS Records. The group had complained in the past that Motown didn't give them enough creative input on their albums, and there might have been something to this argument when you look at the success of Michael's first album under Epic, 1979's Off the Wall. The album featured a more mature sound for Michael, backing away from his teeny bopper tunes, and its acclaim and achievements set the tone for his adult career, selling over 20 million copies and earning the 21-year-old singer five American Music Awards. Michael's next album, the much-anticipated Thriller, was set to be released on November 30, 1982. The production budget for the album was $750,000, the equivalent of nearly $2 million today. 
So Epic had a lot riding on their young rising star when he went into the studio with producer Quincy Jones in April of that year. the extraterrestrial began life as a much darker story back in the late 1970s. Steven Spielberg, fresh off the success of his sci-fi classic Close Encounters of the Third Kind, wanted to return to an earlier project he had worked on called Night Skies. The film was a loose adaptation of the real-life Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, where two families were allegedly besieged for hours inside their woodland Kentucky cabin by small alien creatures. During the screenplay, an autistic boy becomes friends with one of the aliens, who is then left behind on Earth. It was this part of the story that writer Melissa Matheson took and made into E.T. and Me, the script that would eventually become E.T. the Extraterrestrial. Spielberg started shooting the film in September 1981 on a budget of $10.5 million. E.T. was later released to theaters on June 11, 1982, and immediately became a box office hit, bringing in nearly $22 million in its first week. The film would stay in the top five films until mid-December, losing and then reclaiming the number one spot a record 16 times before finally succumbing to the overwhelming popularity of a cross-dressing Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie. Even then, it remained in the top 10 films until the middle of March, and quite a few times dipped back into the top 10 a full calendar year after its debut. By the time E.T. had finally left theaters, it knocked Star Wars off the throne as the biggest blockbuster of all time, bringing in around $360 million. As with any kid-friendly film at the time, the marketing surrounding E.T. was a huge aspect of its popularity. If kids wanted it, E.T. was plastered onto it. Shirts, hats, backpacks, lunchboxes, stuffed animals, sleeping bags, coloring books, and of course, the infamous Atari 2600 game. Part of this marketing blitz was the Oscar, Grammy, Golden Globe, and BAFTA award-winning soundtrack by John Williams, released by MCA Records. There was also a read-along record book released by Buena Vista with narration by the young Drew Barrymore, reviving her Gertie character from the film. But Spielberg felt there was something missing, something that could be really special if he worked with the right person, someone like Michael Jackson. Spielberg approached Jackson shortly after the film was released in June 1982 to see if he'd like to record a storybook album of E.T., Michael was a huge fan of the movie, saying in a December 1982 interview for Ebony magazine that he identified quite a bit with the lovable little alien. Michael is quoted as saying, When I was doing that recording, I really felt that I was E.T., and it was because his story is the story of my life in many ways. He's in a strange place and wants to be accepted, which is a situation that I've found myself in many times when traveling from city to city all over the world. But Jackson's interest in the character went beyond a feeling of isolation and loneliness. It took on a much more fantastical tinge as well. Here he is saying, Ever since I was a little boy, I've dreamed about being able to fly, and I still dream about it all the time. And he has that superpower, which lets him lift off and fly whenever he wants to get away from things on Earth, and I can identify with that. He and I are a lot alike in many ways. Spielberg could see the connection between Michael and E.T. as well, saying, If E.T. hadn't come to Elliot, he would have come to Michael's house. Immediately after accepting Spielberg's proposal, Michael brought his producer Quincy Jones onto the project. In fact, Jackson brought with him many people who were also working on Thriller, including songwriter Rod Temperston, the production engineer Bruce Swedeen, and photographer Dick Zimmerman, who shot the cover art for Thriller. Jones co-wrote their narration for the storybook, Temperston wrote the music for the original song Someone in the Dark that Michael performed especially for the album, and Zimmerman captured a photo of Michael and E.T. as part of the promotional campaign. 
Not much is known about the actual production of the storybook album, other than an anecdote that was later relayed by Quincy Jones. During the narration when E.T. dies, Jackson got so emotional that he began crying in the recording booth. Spielberg wanted to know if they should do another take, but Jones told him this sort of thing had happened before with Michael, and that it was always when something truly special came through. The E.T. storybook album contains the original Williams soundtrack, snippets of dialogue and sound effects from the film, with narration by Michael Jackson. In the deluxe box set, which retailed for $11.98, or about $30 today, you not only got the album and a full-color read-along book with photos from the film, but you also got a wall-sized poster of that now-famous photo of E.T. and Michael posing in the most surreal family photo ever. According to Billboard magazine, MCA had one million copies of the album pressed to meet the assumed demand of the merger of these two titans of pop culture. But before the album could be released, it was imperative for Epic Records to make sure that the story album didn't interfere with the release of their upcoming Michael Jackson album, Thriller. So, in order for MCA to proceed with the E.T. storybook, Epic had a few stipulations. 1. The E.T. storybook album could not be released until after Christmas 1982. Thriller was set to drop on November 30th, and they wanted to make sure audiences didn't confuse the two Jackson albums. Number 2. The original song written for the storybook album, Someone in the Dark, could not be released as a single. Again, Epic was concerned about audience confusion. They believed people would think the song was included on Thriller, or that the debut single from Thriller, The Girl Is Mine, featuring Jackson and former Beatle Paul McCartney, was on the E.T. Storybook album. I'm not quite sure people would have really thought a song about two men fighting for the affections of a woman would be on the E.T. Storybook album, but assuming Someone in the Dark was on Thriller was an entirely reasonable assumption to make. Naturally, MCA ignored both of these demands. They released the album on November 7th, just a few weeks before Thriller, and also sent out hundreds of promotional singles of Someone in the Dark to radio stations around the country. Three days later, on November 10th, Epic Records filed a $2 million lawsuit against MCA, demanding they pull the album and singles from circulation and barred them from ever doing work with Jackson again. While retailers and radio stations eventually complied by pulling the album, it's estimated that over 100,000 copies had been sold. Thriller was released on November 30th, 1982, and it went on to become the best-selling album ever, with a mind-blowing 66 million copies sold to date. At its peak in popularity, the album reportedly sold 1 million copies every week. Even now, nearly four decades later, it still sells roughly 130,000 copies annually. I'm not sure even a million copies of the E.T. storybook album would have been much of a threat to the success of Thriller, but Epic wasn't taking any chances, and the album was essentially buried. Although it was pulled from circulation, the storybook album is pretty readily available on eBay today for about $20. Don't be surprised to pay more if you insist on buying it with the poster of MJ and E.T., though. The Someone in the Dark promo singles, however, are much harder to come by and fetch top dollar on the collector's market. Due to its scarcity, the song essentially remained unheard by most fans until, ironically, it was released on a special expanded edition of Thriller that came out in 2001. Despite the legal issues surrounding the release, the E.T. Storybook album was nominated in 1984 for a Grammy in the category Best Recording for Children. When the album won the award, producer Quincy Jones made his feelings about the legal battle publicly clear, biting the epic hand that fed him by saying, It took us three months to make the album Thriller, and one of the most dangerous joint decisions that Michael and I made was to accept to do an album for Steven Spielberg on the Storybook album of E.T. And for that, we'd like to thank... Uh, Bill Kotzwinkle, the co-writers of the script, uh, Steven Spielberg, my wife Peggy, John Williams for the score, Bruce Swedeen, Bruce Cannon, 
Matt Borger, George Asaki, the actors and the crew of the film, Melissa Matheson for giving us this creation, Rod Temperton, Alan Marilyn Bergman for the great song that they did for Michael, Jeremy Lubbock for the arrangement, and I don't thank the people that stopped this record from coming out. I thank Michael Jackson, who gave every pound of blood he had, as one of the greatest performers to put up with the hours and everything it took for this, and for Steven Spielberg, who has been a great source of inspiration, one of the greatest sources of inspiration for my life. Thank you. Standing next to him at the podium was Michael Jackson, who, even though he had received seven awards earlier in the evening for Thriller, had this to say about his collaboration with a weird little alien that just wanted to get home. Of all the awards I've gotten, I'm, I'm most proud of this one, honestly. And because I think children are a great inspiration, and uh, this album is not for children, it's for everyone. And I'm so happy and I'm so proud, and um, I just say thank you so much. It's impossible to know how big the E.T. Storybook album might have been. I don't think it quite had the mainstream appeal of Thriller, but it could have sold well enough to give credibility to the otherwise looked-down-upon genre of storybook albums. Maybe it would have spawned similar albums from other blockbuster movies, like Back to the Future, as read by Michael J. Fox, Terminator 2, read by Linda Hamilton, Jurassic Park with narration by Jeff Goldblum, Independence Day with narration by Will Smith, including the hit single Welcome to Earth, and maybe even The Dark Knight, read by Heath Ledger. Unfortunately, a legal battle that ultimately really didn't have that much of an impact on the success of Thriller kept much of the world from experiencing what might have been. But now, thanks to When You Hear This Sound, you'll finally be able to hear E.T. the Extraterrestrial, the storybook album, as read by the king of pop himself, Michael Jackson. Enjoy. was cut off, trapped in the trees, separated from his ship. He ran as fast as his short legs would carry him. His chest glowing red, a signal to the crew that he needed help. Glowing through the branches. He stumbled towards it. But the 
pilot hatch was closing and the crew was leaving. The ship lifted off, like the moon slowly rising, then soared away, a comet swallowed by the night. Creaker's heart light faded. He was alone. Three million light years from home. The lights of the city twinkled in the valley below the little being. The friendliest light was coming from a kitchen window at a boy named Elliot's house. The big guys playing inside made Elliot wait out front for their pizza delivery. Out back, the creature crawled into the yard and hid in a tool shed. Harvey? Harvey, is that you, boy? Elliot, looking for his dog in the backyard, heard strange noises coming from the tool shed. He picked up his baseball and he threw it in. Whatever was in there whipped it right back. asleep that night with all kinds of strange dreams in his head and the squashy little guy from outer space came creeping back into the garden as quietly as he could but those funny feet of his tripped him up in a garbage can Elliot heard it and came running out he chased whatever it was behind the house. But he wasn't sure that he really wanted to catch up. Suddenly it stopped and turned. Next day, Elliot went into the woods. He laid a trail of little candies, one piece after another, and then went back home. E.T. crawled from the bushes. We all know curiosity killed the cat. But he was too old to change now. He put the little round object in his mouth. <laughs> it was delicious. The tastiest thing he'd ever eaten in the whole universe. It's not that we don't believe you, honey. Well, it was real, I swear. Maybe it was an iguana. It was no iguana. Maybe a, uh, you know how they say there are uh, alligators in the sewers? Alligators in the sewers. All we're trying to say is maybe you just probably imagined I it. I couldn't have imagined it. 
Elliot had a hunch that this might be the night. So he waited outside in an old chair. And sure enough, this strange creature appeared. Someone from another world. Elliot's heart almost stopped. He was just as scared as Elliot. But he had to hang in there. After all, he had to eat. He had to live. So he followed Elliot with the candy into the house and up the stairs. found each other across a thousand universes and fell asleep. Next day... Do you talk? You know, talk? Me, human. Boy. Elliot. share the greatest secret in the world. Now, I swear it, the most excellent promise you can make. Swear as my only brother on our lives. It's so heavy, I swear. And, um, close your eyes. Okay, they're closed. Okay, uh, swear it one more time. I have absolute, have absolute power. Yes. <laughs> what he saw blew his mind. Elliot was hoping that his little sister would handle the situation better. (laughs) And what do you do with something as wild as this weird squashy little guy with a head shaped like an eggplant? (laughs) I'm keeping him. But some other people are looking for E.T. also. Tall shadows with flashlights, keys, and heavy shoes. They want to keep them, too. Meanwhile, Elliot, Michael, and Gertie brought their new friend a potted flower as a gift. We are here. Where are you from? I don't like his feet. We're only feet, you little twerp. He's trying to tell us something. Mm-hmm. 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 
point of his finger, E.T.'s magical powers raised five balls up into the air and floated them there above everybody's head. Elliot. <laughs> then E.T. quietly retired in the closet with his flower pot, leaving Elliot, Michael, and Gertie to go off to school. How do you explain school to higher intelligence? Hi, Elliot. Hey, Elliot, where's your goblin? Shut up. Did he come back? Well, did he? Yeah, he came back. But he's not a goblin. He's a spaceman. He was from the other side of the universe. But he'd figured out how to open Elliot's refrigerator. And he found a can of something that looked... Pretty good. Beer. To him it seemed perfectly harmless. <laughs> Meanwhile, on the other side of town, in Elliot's biology class... ...the actual frog dissection, and you will find many similarities. Elliot found one. The frog reminded him of E.T. All the frogs got out of there, out the window, out the door, and down the road. At home, E.T. found a newspaper, and the comic strip really caught his eye. There it was. A spaceman had built a communicator to phone home. Then Gertie came home to watch her favorite TV show. When something amazing happened. B, B, it's a B. Good. Good. And that wasn't all he learned to say. When Elliot came home, E.T. had a surprise for him. Elliot. I taught him how to talk now. He can talk now. E.T., can you say that? Can you say E.T.? E.T. 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 And he had one more thing to say. Something very, very important. Something that the whole world would someday soon remember. E.T. Phone home. God, he's talking. Oh. Is T phone home? T phone home. But some people were listening in on their own phone. E.T. built his own communicator out of the fuzz buster, some bobby pins. A knife and fork, and the UHF tuner from the TV set. Oh, Elliot. He doesn't look too good anymore. Don't say that. We're fine. While Mom was reading Gertie a bedtime story, Elliot cut his finger on a mean-looking saw blade. Ouch! It was poison. Ouch! I drank it to save my life. Tea, dear tea. 
out. E.T.'s finger lit up, just like his heart, and a mysterious light healed Elliot's cut. Do you believe in very sacred that you believe? I do, I do, I do. If you believe, clap your hands. Halloween night. Elliot and Michael dressed E.T. in a sheet, like a ghost. Ready. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And they took him out on the street. And guess who he saw? A familiar friend from a galaxy far away. Boom. 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 Be back one hour after sunset, no later. I'll try as fast as I can, Mike. Elliot rode to the forest with E.T. in the basket of his bicycle. E.T. thought the ride was too slow and bouncy. It's too bumpy. We'll have to walk from here. So he raised that magic finger of his and gave them a lift. The bike soared into the air over the treetops, high as the birds can fly, and higher. communicator and pointed it at the stars. His strange signal beamed itself out into that place in the sky where night is forever. It's working! had returned E.T.'s phone call to the stars. Back at Elliot's house, the net was closing in. Science had discovered his hideout in the closet upstairs. That night, Elliot and his friends slept in the forest. At dawn, when he woke up, E.T. was gone. 
Elliot, sick with fever, returned home for help. You gotta find him, Mike. Where is he? In the forest. The bald spot. You gotta find him. Face down in a stream, his body gray all over, gray as ash. Michael gently carried E.T. back to the safety of their home. They snuck him upstairs and laid him down on the bathroom floor. Now was the time to tell Mom. Mom, won't you come with me? What is it? Mary, just come with me. Michael, what? Mom, remember the goblin? Michael, what are you talking about? It's just swear, the most excellent promise you can make. Michael. She couldn't believe what she saw. That's terrific. Her hand went limp. The coffee spilled from her cup. protective spacesuits. The military, the government, scientists and doctors invaded Elliot's house. They had zeroed in on E.T. and turned the place into a laboratory and a hospital. A huge plastic envelope came down, covering the entire house. And medical teams moved in on the little guy. They hooked him up to all kinds of machines, but he was fading like a star at morning. was going 
where no one could follow. His starfire was out. And he was as cold as the moon. Preacher's pressure is bottoming out. His complexes are slow and widening. All right, I'm calling. What time is it? E.T. was gone. So they placed E.T. in a coffin of ice, but left Elliot alone with them, because Elliot was the one he'd come to across the great ocean of time. E.T.'s wilted flower was moving. A light opened up in E.T.'s heart, growing brighter and brighter. From orange to yellow to white. E.T. found home. The little guy was all worked up, and Elliot had to shut him up so no one would know he was alive. Elliot, why don't you come with me? No! 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 And Elliot turned on the tears and faked them all out. <laughs> Would you like the flowers? Michael and Elliot had a plan. The scientists put E.T. into a medical van. They didn't even notice it when the guy snuck aboard. You're driving. Open the door, son. There's a guy out here. What do I do? Well, what are you waiting for? Let's go! Well, I've never driven forward before! <laughs> Michael screamed to his friends. Get the bikes. Meet us at the playground at the top of the hill. Let's do it! Well, they did it. They stole E.T. out from under everybody's nose and carried him off on their bikes. E.T. was riding in Elliot's basket, bouncing up and down again, with the world at their heels. But Elliot and his partners could ride. The police chased them through the streets, but the kids knew the alleys. This is Unit 302. We've cut the kids off. Let's split up. We made it! That's what they thought. In came the roadblock. Cars and men. Police and guns. The net closed once more. E.T. and his friends had run out of time. Whoa. Whoa. And up they went. E. 
E.T. and his pals. Up over the roadblock, up into the sky, wheeling over the rooftops, sailing over the valleys, higher and higher. <laughs> Flying in the sky, E.T. and his pals. thing in the whole world. The ancient spaceship coming slowly down. And it was time to say goodbye. There's no goodbye. was far beyond the Milky Way, out past the farthest star we see, where only the great ships of space can roam. Would they ever see him again? Where would he be? Joy filled the air as they watched E.T. approach the ship that would take him home. The hatch was open. The crew was waiting. E.T. looked at his friends one last time, picked up his flower pot, into the ship. The hatch closed. 
the ship lifted off, up into the sky, trailing a rainbow, E.T.'s rainbow. Look for it! Look for it! Look! 